Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we continue our discussion of four pillars, four pillars of a discipleship group. We started this discussion and we talked about two key elements that everybody should be thinking about and focusing on if you lead a discipleship group. You have led 20 plus discipleship groups. Almost 30. Almost 30. And you would say, and yeah, and you're discipling your boys this year, your two sons, and you're discipling some men as well. And so as you disciple, you have found that, hey, these are the four key, maybe tent posts of a discipleship group, Mm. Um, things that we should focus in on, things that are important, things that are critical. And the first two that we focused on were scripture memorization, um, which is a difficult art for many. And you would, I, I would say maybe everybody is difficult. Yeah. And, and not to uh, – see, I didn't even know we were doing this. Didn't even know we are doing this. But I pulled out my you had the deck that I – in your pocket. Yeah, that I'm memorizing with That's my right. group. Can you we, do a little card trick? We just – fin- <laughs> <laughs> I probably could do a card trick. Uh, That's right. But we're memorizing the deck together. Nice. Foundations. Uh, the Foundations Memory Deck you can find on Amazon if you want, want to pick one of those up. Just an yeah. easy way, a tool to equip you to memorize Scripture. Yeah, exactly. And then when you're done with that deck, you can just randomly pull one out and you should be able to go. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to put them in a bowl and you just pull one. That is the magic trick I want to see. The fishbowl memorization trick. fishbowl memorization <laughs> trick. So Scripture memorization was one, and then Bible engagement. And we talked about how it's not just reading the Bible. It's reading the Bible and doing what the Bible says. Yeah. And in order to do that, to connect those two dots, doing what it says and reading it, you have to apply it to your life. And so part of our here uh, process, highlight, um, explain, apply, respond, two parts of that, the second half of that application and response are critical because that's really how you step from reading and checking off a box and saying, okay, I got it done today to how am I living today as a a result, as a result of what I've I've read. Yeah. And that's why um, most students in student ministry today are falling away and the statistics and and the research proves it that uh, they, they, one, they don't have a mentor in their life, but more importantly, the mentor is not helping them engage in the Bible. And so 67, 70% Basically, students are going to fall away, and here's why. They don't know why they believe what they believe. So they've read the Bible stories, and so when they go to college and somebody says, hey, wh- wh- why do you believe that God created the earth from the Word and not yeah. by you know chimpanzees? Or you don't actually believe in literal days and not you know seven right. billion years. Or you don't actually believe uh, Adam and Eve were real people, do you? Right. The only response most high school students going into college have is, Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> They've got for that the Bible. Yeah, that's all I know. For the Bible tell. That's the right. answer is for the Bible tell. Well, where is that in the Bible? I don't know. <laughs> so the point is, I think the greatest tragedy in America mm-hmm. is the vast amount of literate believers, people who can read, mm-hmm. who are illiterate to the Bible. Well, I, th- I think you're right. I think part of it is, uh, if I think about how I went through school, particularly college and seminary, I would study. And I would take a test, and I would literally forget every single thing that I took that test. I did to take that test. Yeah, I know I'm the only one who's done this. But no, I, I don't would think read, so. You know the chapters I was supposed to read. I kind of knew what was going to be on the test. I would study those things. I would take a test. I'd get an A. Yeah. And then the next week, I'd be like, I, I don't have space in my head anymore for that information. I've got new information to learn. So you were a seminary parrot. 
Yes. I could teach exactly. you. You could exactly. teach you stuff. You I, could repeat it verbatim, but right. but it never affected that's you. Right. You don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I think honestly, that's how we read the Bible a lot of times. We read it in the moment for that one thing that we want to pull out of it. We get really excited. Maybe we tell someone if we're just next level. Yeah. And then the, the next day we walk away and try to look for something else. Well, think about um, seminary, not to throw shade on, mm. on seminaries, but I was in class with guys mm-hmm. who could quote scripture. They could recite scripture in a test. They could fill in the blanks. They could pass tests. They could write papers. They read it for school, but it never affected their hearts. Wow. And so guys, yeah, I mean, and, and it's human nature. I mean, if it happens in, in a regular school, it's definitely going to happen in a seminary, right, in, a, right. in, a, in, a, in a theological school, so... Well, so we've talked about scripture memorization, how important it is to hide God's <laughs> word in your heart, a lost art that we absolutely think needs to be reclaimed in the life of every disciple. That's one pillar. Second pillar, Bible engagement, not just reading, but also applying the word is so critical, maybe the most critical element. Maybe yeah. that's, that may be the number one pillar in the middle of these other three that are around it, but they're all critical. And so let's move on to number three and four, the third and fourth pillar. Yeah. Uh, just as an overview, two things we'll talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about accountability, mm. which is missing, I would say, in every other facet of the church. Yeah. Outside of the discipleship group, accountability is missing to a great extent, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then the final one is a very popular thing. People love this uh, practice maybe more than any other. Really? Prayer. Is that true? Are you joking? (laughs) I I think prayer is probably one of those things where we just kind of phone it in. I'll be honest. Yeah, right. If if I'm being when we need it, when we need it, being a Pharisee, right? Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) And I'm talking to myself. Yeah, prayer is like okay. Let's pray before we eat. Let's pray before we do X. Let's pray before someone preaches. But just stopping individually and personally, and you've developed uh, kind of this daily process. Yeah, let's take prayer, and we'll take accountability. Let's take prayer. prayer. So you want to start with prayer? Well, because I, I'm thinking about some things about okay, prayer well, right now. Sadly, many of us. So prayer is relationally is a relationship. Okay, yeah. uh, I I preached recently on Mark 10, the bl- the blind man Bartimaeus. He comes to Jesus. He throws the cloak aside. He comes to Jesus. Jesus says, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Now that's an interesting question by Jesus. Why? Because Jesus knows already what this guy is going to ask for. He already knows that. And the fact is, Jesus wants him to say it. Why would Jesus not say, let me guess, Bart, you want to be healed, you want to see? Jesus doesn't say that. He says, what do you want me to do, Bartimaeus? He says, Rabbi, I want to see. Okay, And so I wonder how many, and it shows us the reason Jesus does that is he wants a relationship. A relationship is a two-way street where not only is God talking, but we're talking to God. Okay, I wonder how many of us treat God just like a utilitarian genie where we can rub the lamp and ask questions for things we want. So here's the question. When was the last time you went to prayer or went in prayer to God and just prayed and talked to God and didn't have anything you asked for, no strings attached. Mm. That's tough. Not, not That's I'm tough. trying That's to get question. something from you, guys. <laughs> right, right. I'm not getting something well, from you. Well, you always throw something in there. You're like, even if you're just praying, oh, yeah. oh, and you're yeah. always like, and then I want to pray for so-and-so. And by the way, Sister, Sister Claire and yeah, Aunt Susie's uh, Which isn't wrong. We broken should be hip, for right. other people for things. But you're saying there's got to be more than that. Okay, think about your relationship with Melissa. Mm-hmm. If every time you talk to Melissa verbally, yeah. it was wanting something. That may be Melissa, can I get a new hard drive for my computer? That may actually be right. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. There I'm is kidding, a little truth okay. to that. Actually, Candy, Candy would probably say that. But anyway, uh, but Melissa, I want a new computer screen. Melissa, I want to go out to eat. Melissa, I would like a new this. 
eventually she's like, hey, this is this is really not a relationship because that's all you're doing is wanting something for me. Sadly, that's what most people listening's prayer life is like. Yeah. It's always asking for God to give you something. Okay, so here's what we want to tell you about prayer. Prayer is a communication, is communication between you and God where you're developing a relationship. You're not so much trying to get something from God as you're trying to be just with God. Okay, so you're thanking him, uh, you're spending time with him, you're celebrating wins and praises and blessings, you're thanking him for those things in your life, and you're just communicating. So what I would do is I would set aside a time every day to pray. So for those who don't have a robust prayer life or a consistent prayer life, this is for you. Now, for those of, those who are listening and say, well, I pray a lot. Well, this may be kind of rudimentary or fundamental. That's okay. I would say they're probably the exception to the rule. I was going to say that too, yeah, but I didn't want to say it. But Okay, so here's what I would say. I've created something called 7-Up, okay? It, oh, I created this boy. years ago. Have you heard of this? Is this an acronym? It's another acronym. I don't think I've heard of this. Okay, it's another acronym. And Is I'm, it like the game Heads Up 7-Up that I played in elementary school? I love that game. No, not at all. There's nothing like that. You can look at the it's, shoes <laughs> and you know who it is. Has anybody heard of that game, Heads Up, 7-Up? Okay, I've never heard of the game. Really? What is Heads Up, 7-Up? Dude, you put your head down, and then someone goes and taps you or whatever, and then uh, I think you had to put your thumb up. Is that right? Is that right, Dylan? Am I thinking correctly? And then what do you do? And then they go back, and then you try to figure out who it was. Oh. It's we didn't play really that. Exciting. South Louisiana. Yeah, so very, very exciting. <laughs> Missed out a lot uh, in South Louisiana on that game. Okay. Right. Anyway, we were playing Red about. Rover come over. But okay. anyway, yeah. Uh, so um, the prayer is you're, you're, you're devoting time to spend with God seven minutes a day, mm-hmm. seven days a week when you get up. It's very simple to remember. Mm-hmm. Seven days. And when I created this years ago, I had to figure out something that would work with new disciples yeah. or people who didn't know much about God and people who never had the practice of prayer. So I wanted to, it's kind of hokey or corny, yeah. I get it, seven up. It's easy up, to remember, though. But it's very easy to remember. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to have to set your alarm seven to ten minutes earlier than you normally get up to do this. Okay, That's so painful. ten's probably... Could be painful. Could seven be. doesn't feel as bad as ten, though, I will yeah. say. Well, ten, so you can get that extra two, three you minutes. two or three minutes of, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't want to go seven and then you have to roll out and do it. So 10, maybe 15 if you really. uh, And might I interject that I think a lot of people wake up and they pick up their phone and 30 minutes later they get up. Yeah. Because they're scrolling through and spinning. Stop scrolling and start praying is what I'm saying. Oh, nice. Nice. Moving right back. Yeah. So we are spending time doing something out of bed. Mm. Most of us are thumbing through screens and Twitter and and, uh, news feeds. I'm not thinking of anyone specific, Colton. Right. Or oh, you. Or you or with me, your news me. feeds. But your news feed. Yeah, with your news. Now I've moved the phone away from my bedside. That's the key. Okay. You put it across the room. Has that helped? Absolutely. Sleeping better. I wake up and I have no phone to grab and thumb through. So How I, do you get up? I get out of bed. No, I mean <laughs> I have an alarm. I've exchanged the phone You went alarm. old school analog. I've I exchanged the phone alarm for a sunrise alarm. What is that? It's a light. It's a, it's like a lamp, and it slowly gets brighter and brighter until the alarm goes off. But hopefully, wow. the light itself wakes you up, and you don't have to have any sound at all. Wow, it's very nice. That's pretty. That's pretty. I mean, good. by nice, I mean it's cheap. You can yeah, go old school analog. Yeah, old school. Yeah. Okay, so you could do the old school analog sunrise alarm, or you could set a phone alarm. But I want you to get up seven. Either minutes. way, get up. Yeah, seven minutes for seven days. Just seven minutes. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to have to look at the clock when you do it because what you're going to find is, because you think seven minutes, I can do that. Mm -hmm. That's simple. Yes. What you're going to find is seven minutes is a long time when you're praying. So after you've prayed for yourself, 
your family, your church, your friends, right. your challenges. You're going to look up and you still have three minutes and 57 seconds left. You know, you're going to be like, and I remember the first time I did this, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I had to hit seven minutes. Yeah. It was like right. four and a half minutes. Yeah. Is there anything else I can pray uh, about? Exa- right that's now? exactly what's what going to happen. That is exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to pray about this carpet I'm looking at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So here's how you pray. You start with the, the, the closest. I heard, I heard John Piper say this years ago. He said, you start with the person who needs prayer most. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's the person listening who needs prayer the most? Me. You, exactly. And <laughs> I don't, selfish, not to be selfish, but let's be prayer. honest. If you're not a vessel of honorable use, set apart for the master, useful to, or set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work, 2 Timothy 2.20. Not to reference scripture memory, but there you go. Well, you go. <laughs> there you but go. if you want to be a useful master to the house, okay, a useful worker to the house, you have to be prayed up and filled up and sent out by God. So yeah. if you're a faulty vessel, you're going to be no good to anyone else. So, okay, so first you pray for you. Pray for struggles. Pray and thank God for blessings. Mm-hmm. Um, ask God for insight and wisdom. Pray before you read the word, all those things. Okay, and then you move out the circles. Mm-hmm. So you start really small. The next ring of circle of people you're going to pray for is who? Your family and friends. Family. It's family next. Family, just family. Just family. Gotcha. Your wife, your kids. If you're home, uh, still live with your mom parents, you pray for mom and dad. Uh, you. Do you stop praying for mom and dad if you don't live at home? Uh, that'd be the next circle oh, for okay, us. Yeah. Okay, they just change circles. Yeah, because then you have your immediate family, and then you have your your outside family. Out of that, the third circle would be gotcha. family, siblings, parents, aunts and uncles. Second okay. cousin. Probably not second cousin. Oh, okay. First cousin though. <laughs> third circle, first cousin. It's yeah, clear. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, very no. Clear. no, I don't know. You you need to think what's important. By that point, right. you may run out of time. But the fourth circle would be friends. Yeah. People in your church, and the fifth circle, but it could be closer. I mean, this is all subjective. The fifth circle could be lost people you're praying for. You definitely want to be praying for lost people in your yeah. life, okay? I even started my boys in our discipleship group to pray for lost people in their lives at school. And it just gets them, makes them cognizant of lost people yeah. around them. Like, Think hey, these guys are heading to a Christless place mm-hmm. if they die in hell, and we need to be praying for them. Well, let's continue talking about the fourth pillar, wrap up the third pillar, and move to the fourth pillar after this brief break. Coming soon is Discipleship Blueprint 2.0. Discipleship Blueprint 2.0. You've created a discipleship pathway. You've launched discipleship groups, perhaps, and you've created a culture in your church for discipleship. Now what do you do? We've seen people walk through the Discipleship Blueprint over and over again, and they've got great and terrific questions that we want to answer at Discipleship Blueprint 2.0, taking place March 2020, March 5th, 2020, from 11 to 9. You can sign up at discipleshipblueprint.com, and at this event, I promise you, you're going to learn all about overcoming obstacles to sustain a disciple-making movement. You're going to learn about the one thing you shouldn't outsource. You're going to find out how to lead a healthy staff toward a healthy church. You're going to talk about moving from meeting to multiplying, among several other key sessions that you're going to want to be a part of. Check it out at discipleshipblueprint.com. I'm ready to go myself now. I'll go right now if it weren't next month. True. You're going to want to hold off. You're going to hold off on March 5th, 2020, discipleshipblueprint.com to find out more. And we're back talking about the four pillars of discipleship. We've moved through pillar one, which is... What's pillar one? Uh, scripture, scripture memorization. memorization. Well, was it scripture memory or what, did we start with scripture memory? We did start with scripture okay, memory. Okay, scripture memory. Pillar number two. Which two should be one. That's what's throwing me off. That is. A, so two is 
Two is one and one is two. Bible engagement. So Bible, <laughs> Bible engagement is the most important. Right, right. Whatever numeric order we put them in. Bible yeah, right. engagement, scripture memory, and then we talked about prayer. Do you have anything else to wrap up the prayer discussion? Well, technically, if it's a pillar, you have to have all four. So You do. Technically. Unless you've got a really strong pillar or two pillars, and then the others are, are set up as just for show. True. They actually did that back in the day. What, I think there was really? this designer, this architect in okay. Roman times. Who, who created this building, and they had pillars on all four corners, and then he built the other pillars like an inch below the floor because he wanted to prove that he was right, that they could hold it up. And wow. No him. Wow. So there's like eight pillars, but only four of them are touching. Oh, wow. That's cool. I need to look that up. If we okay. had a fact checker in the house to look that random piece of information up, it would just make my day. Yeah, I think we do, actually. But moving right along. Okay. The uh, fourth and uh, it could be third or second. Third. Okay. But we're, we're, one of the four. One of the four. Here we go. <laughs> one of the four is accountability. And this is the key. This is the key. Because this is what separates discipleship groups from every other group I that totally you're going to be in. This is one of the most important parts. Discipleship groups, high accountability, and multiplication. Two of the things that you rarely get anywhere else in the church. Yeah. Rarely. And I would say that having been a part of some great life groups. I would say that having been a part of some great one-on-one mentoring relationships in ministry. The discipleship group is constructed, it's built, it's uh, really modeled after what Jesus did so that we can see a high level of accountability and a lot of multiplication happening where we don't see that anywhere else. Yeah, and you may notice we didn't say evangelism, we didn't say uh, intimacy, we didn't say replication, we didn't say uh, transparency, because all of those are wrapped up in accountability. And here's what I mean, okay? This okay here big domino is what you're saying. Right here's what I'm saying. So uh, replication comes as a result of accountability. Evangelism will happen as a a result of accountability because most pastors who are preaching we need to evangelize or leaders who are saying we need to reach more people, which we all would agree. Both are true. We would all agree to that. Most who are saying that have no clue if the people in their churches are actually doing it. But in a discipleship group of three to five, where you meet every single week, you come together face to face. And you can ask a guy eyeball to eyeball, Mm -hmm. have you shared your faith this week? Mm -hmm. The better question, a follow-up question, here's a great accountability question, two of them. Have you shared your faith with someone this week Mm -hmm. or shared your testimony? Right. Number two, did you even try? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are great questions. And what's great about that is when you think about the church, you typically will have a pastor who says, share the gospel, bring a friend, talk to someone about Jesus, and they will preach that and talk about it all the time, which is great. Yeah. We want to do that. That's not wrong, but that happens on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, they see decisions and baptisms. Mm. And so the problem is you cannot correlate what a pastor is saying about evangelism with the decisions and baptisms right. without looking in the middle. The expanse, with I would say the vast expanse between the pastor saying it and the person responding to Christ. What we're saying is you can step in the middle of that process with high accountability and actually see what takes place. So when the pastor, when you, the, if you're a pastor, if you're a church leader, when you're saying these things, this is that mechanism by which people can be equipped to do it. Yeah. So instead of saying, hey, go share the gospel, which we should say, we're saying go share the gospel, and here's a mechanism by which you can be held accountable to that. Yeah. So now as a leader, I can equip you to do the ministry God's called you to do. Yeah, so it's basically like, so I coach my boys' upward basketball team. Have, uh, you, have you won? 
Have you won any games? Uh, we won half the games. I mean, I, there's no winner or loser in Upward. Just no. to be clear. For those <laughs> well, Upward fans out there. But in this you, Upward, there is. You theoretically have higher points than the other team. No, well, in this Upward League, I'm playing, and I don't know if this is right okay. or not, but they keep score. <laughs> this is Upward with an O, Upward, instead upward. of Upward with an yeah, A. Yeah, yeah. The Upward. Upward ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Upward battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh but they keep score, okay? And here's the thing about upward. When I'm coaching these kids, which you can't really teach much between you know a 9 or a 10 or 11-year-old, but, but what I'm trying to teach them is this. I'm trying to teach them proper ways to shoot the basketball, yes. and I'm trying to translate some basic skills for them in the game, okay? So if I tell the kids on the front end, I want you to score points. You better score points. We have to score points. Would the kids amen that? Would they, well, they probably wouldn't amen. Would they say yes, coach? <laughs> They would say yes, and some might amen. If my son's probably son, amen, yeah. yeah. I had to tell my kids the other day, because every practice I try to get different people to pray. Every practice at the end, I'm like, all right, who wants to pray for our group? Guess the same two every time. Rig and Ryder. Like, oh, son, son, you already pray. Let somebody else yeah. pray. Yeah. But <laughs> then, but then they don't know how to pray. Ah, yeah. son, well, I don't know that, but let's just you know, give them a chance. So here's the thing. If I tell them on the front end, I want you to shoot, we need to score baskets, we need to make points. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, on the back end, when they actually do that, is that good? Absolutely. Yes, but is there something I can do in the middle? There should be if you want to get consistent results. Yes, okay, here's what we do in the middle. We actually practice shooting, mm. and I help them when they shoot bad. That is what accountability is. Yes, see, in the middle, I say, all right, little Chris, let's say you're on the team. Little you Christopher. Little Chris? Little Christopher. Oh, little Christopher. Wow. That's, uh, I haven't heard that one yet. That's a good <laughs> Little Christopher, I got it. <laughs> Have you ever been called Christopher? <laughs> my mom calls me Christopher. Okay, all the time. thank you. Thank but you, little mom. Little Christopher is a new one. Well, because you were nine. Monitor. No, you're nine now. Okay, I'm you're nine. back okay, nine again. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm helping you shoot the basketball. Okay, I appreciate okay, it. Okay, so I gave it to little Christopher, okay? So when you shoot the ball and it doesn't go in, then what I do is I say, hey, let me tell you what you. This is not yeah. the best idea, but it's the best I got. So I would say, hey, hold your hand straighter, shoot better, you'll make it next time, get in the back of the line, do it again. Okay. That's what accountability does. So when a person comes in the group, on the front end, I'm saying, let's share our faith. On the back end, we're, we're celebrating wins. But in the middle, I'm helping them to adjust and edit uh, and sharpen the process. Okay. Mm. So basically, they come in and say, hey, I share my faith with a guy. He told me you're crazy. Okay, great. What did you say to that? I don't know what to say. Okay, let me tell you what I would say. Yeah. Or another guy says, I share my, my faith, and a guy questioned me about the Bible. I didn't have an answer. Okay, good. Let me tell you what I would say. That's the accountability we're missing in the church. And so, Pastor, if you listen to leader, if you want more people to come to faith in Christ, if you want to see more lost people saved, if you want to see more people baptized, the answer, we believe, now granted, preaching from the pulpit can help, but the answer is accountability in a small discipling relationship. So if you want to implement a lead measure to yeah. see lost people come to faith, it's discipleship. But it's more than that. Hmm. It's more than evangelism. It is holding people accountable to read the Bible. Yes. It's holding people accountable to live out the things we're learning in the D group. See, the thing we do at Replicate is something called obedience-based discipleship. What is that? Okay, that's a good question. I'm glad you. I mean, you're... I work with Replicate, so I'm I glad should you. know. I'm glad I, you I asked. I probably that. do know, but you, I'm going to ask. You probably do. For the sake of our listeners who might not know, that was a good segue, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Uh, Obedience-based discipleship is different than informational-based transactional discipleship, mm. which is we're going to go through this curriculum. Fill in you're, some blanks. Yes, you're going to fill in all the blanks, and you're going to take that 101 class, operation, whatever, BS, whatever. 
B, and all these are good. Or BSF, sorry, I should say BSF. Yeah. <laughs> Got to clarify so, the let's, BS. Let's, let's pause there for a moment. Um, Wow. What exactly are you wow. talking about with this? I'm at BS? BSF. No, what I'm does at, the BS stand for? No, I'm at BS. Bible Study Fellowship. <laughs> oh, whoo. So Bible Study whoo. is what we're uh, referring wow. to. Wow. Freudian slip there could be. Wow. But anyway, but anyway, uh, K author. What do you think about BSF? Is yeah. that, are, you, are you for or against BSF? Just because there are probably some listeners who are big Marty, fans. I, listen, I'm for all these things. Bible Study Fellowship is good. K Arthur, Beth Moore, we love all these things. We do. We love them all. We're friends with a lot of these people. But yeah. here's the thing we're saying. The challenge is if you go through these studies, and many of you listening know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to just want you to think. Most of you have gone through these studies. You've filled every blank in. And then what do you do with the study? You set it on a shelf. Yes. Do you ever pull the study off the shelf again? Very rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. If I remember okay. a quote, I wanted to read again or something. Very rarely. The cool thing about a discipleship group is I've been training people in the same basic tenets of the faith for about eight, nine years now. Now, I've done the system pretty similar for 17 years, 16 yeah. years. But the same eight or nine years now, I'm teaching the same thing. And somebody says, why are you teaching identity? Why do you keep teaching overcoming sin? Why yeah. do you keep teaching how to read the Bible and memorize scripture? Because as I'm teaching other people, guess what it's doing for me? Reiterating. Yes, and repeating and ingraining in my mind some of the basic tenets of the faith. So don't ever think you're going to graduate beyond the Bible or right. a discipleship group. Well, as we wrap up this podcast, just as a reminder, the four pillars of discipleship crucial to any great discipleship group. And don't forget that we love Bible Study Fellowship. <laughs> if you don't mind, take the take a moment, text yes, someone, let them know about the Making Disciples with Robbie Galley podcast. Tell them to take a listen, particularly maybe to this episode if you want them to have a, a little bit of a laugh. And then the other thing you can do is go and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening service. Yes, and if you want to memorize scripture. Check out the memory deck on Amazon, amazon.com, Foundations Memory Deck. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.